Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Good morning, women of strength. And happy Halloween! I'm so excited to be with you today. I actually, um, Halloween's like my least favorite holiday. And um, I just think it's too scary. Now that I have kids, it's weird, right? Like, (laughs) now that I have kids, I'm like, no, that's too scary. And my husband's like, oh my gosh, let's go with this, this. I'm like, no, let's just keep them all cute and little and, and don't keep them out after dark because I don't want them seeing all the monsters and so I'm like really protective. So it's like my least favorite, but I also love seeing my kids be happy, like coming home with their little Halloween buckets and things like that. So happy Halloween. I hope that you guys have a safe night and that your kids bring home lots of candy and that you secretly go through their stash when they're sleeping and pull out all the tootsie rolls. I mean, that's like my jam anyways. Pull out all the tootsie rolls, make your own little Halloween stash because you... Those babies were cut out of you or came out of your vagina. You deserve some Tootsie Rolls. Am I right? Am I right? So I'm going to get right into it. We have Allie with us today, and we are so excited. <laughs> and I, I'm saying we. Megan's not here. Megan's actually at a birth right now doing the doula thing. So it's just me, Julie, here with you today. But um, my friend Allie's on the line. She's from Omaha, Nebraska. And she's got a really cool story um, about her VBAC journey. Um, She got diagnosed with a small pelvis for her C-section. But the coolest thing about her story, I think, is that her placenta was really close to her C-section scar. Um, She had, obviously, an anterior placenta. And they like your placenta to be two centimeters above your C-section scar when it's anterior. And guess how far away from the scar her placenta was? 11 millimeters. Guys, you can't even like hold your finger 11 millimeters apart. Like that's how, that's how close to her scar her placenta was. And her story is so awesome. And I am just going to let her tell it to you. So actually... My placenta was 11 millimeters away from my cervix. So oh, my it was God. on my scar. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So that was definitely a point of stress for me. Um, and I'm a researcher, and so when I was reading all the stories and hearing the doctors say, well, you know, if we have to do a C-section, you know, we have to do it quickly because we need to cut through your placenta. It was just very, it was very scary and a lot of anxiety um, to oh work through. Oh my gosh, through. I bet. Holy cow. And then on top of that, I decided to do a home birth. So 
um, I found a very supportive provider, a midwife who just really trusted my body and trusted the process of birth and really respected that. And it was so helpful. My anxiety level went down whenever um, she would come over for our prenatal appointments. And it just ended up being the best pregnancy and the best delivery I could have ever imagined. So Awesome. That is crazy. Okay, well, go ahead. Tell, tell us about it. Tell us about your story. Okay, so my first baby, I, I'm a registered nurse, and so with my first, it was just a natural progression into I'm going to deliver in the hospital, and I'm going to have an epidural, and these are all the things that I'm going to do, and this is just how it happens. I knew all of the protocols, and it just seemed very natural to um, deliver there. So I didn't really do a lot of birth preparation at all for my first. I just kind of trusted that whenever I would go into labor, that the nurses and the doctor would take care of me and that everything was going to go perfectly as planned. And um, it didn't obviously happen like that. I uh, My membranes ruptured at 38 weeks, and I was told by my provider that I had to go in right away um, because it's an emergency when your water ruptures. And so I went in and got checked, and I wasn't in labor. And so they just encouraged me to walk, and I probably did that for a few hours. I went in at 9 o'clock at night, and then a few hours passed. They didn't really see any progression, so they decided to start Pitocin. And... I didn't really question it. It was just something that they suggested, so I did. So I was on Pitocin, and I ended up getting to maxing out on Pitocin. And 18 hours into labor, I decide, okay, I have had enough of this. I need an epidural now. I wanted to try and get as far as I could, and I asked my nurse, you know, is this going to stall me? Uh, is this going to, I don't know, I guess, help me progress? And she said, you know, for a lot of women, it just really helps um, you relax. And at this point, I had been laboring all night. So yeah. I got the epidural, was able to sleep, and then woke up to about five or six nurses surrounding me and putting me side to side and on my knees. And I just, I heard the heartbeat went down to 22 beats per minute and I knew that was not oh good and it was so so very scary that is um yeah the, my doctor ended up coming in and saying hey this happens sometimes but if it happens again um we need to go to the OR right away and I think that's when it set in like oh wow something's not working right. Like, this is not how it's supposed to go. This is not how I planned. And I just kind of lost it. I started crying, and it was I just felt very out of control. So, yeah. yeah, it happened five minutes later, and about eight minutes after that, the, my baby was out, and she was just perfect, five pounds, ten ounces. She was having a little trouble with managing her blood sugar and... Um, her temperature, so I didn't get a hold of her for um, a, a little bit, and um, when I went to the recovery room, I 
just wasn't able to hold her because we had so many guests come in and it was just overall not what I expected and I knew this time I wanted to do something different. So on my two-week postpartum visit with my doctor, she said that the reason that this happened was because I had two small pelvis and I was never going to be able to deliver vaginally and my heart broke and I just knew that something was wrong. I that I did not believe it. There's no way that my body was not going to push a baby out vaginally. So from <laughs> yeah. So from two weeks postpartum I was already planning my V back like obsessed. And so I got pregnant and I actually had a miscarriage about three months before I got pregnant with my last so there was just a lot of struggles with trusting my body and is this maybe it doesn't work, you know? And so there's a lot of emotions I had to work through. But when I did get pregnant with my um baby now, she I called my midwife. I had heard there was a midwife who would come and deliver or be in attendance to my birth in Nebraska. And just a little bit of background about Nebraska is they um, do not allow, it's, it's illegal for certified nurse midwives to attend a birth. So I found someone who would come and be there for me. And like I said at the beginning, she just trusted me, trusted my body, trusted the whole birth process. So she had prenatal visits with me every month at my house, and we worked through a lot, not just, you know, physical checking on the baby, but emotionally for me. And it was just wonderful and very healing. So it was about 18 weeks I decided to get an anatomy scan because I wanted to make sure that the placenta was in the right place and that everything was good for baby to deliver at home because if I, I just wanted to know these things. Well, I go in for the anatomy scan and they tell me that my cervix is, or I'm sorry, my placenta was, it was placenta previa at that point. Wow. So it was partially covering my cervix and I was just destroyed. And I thought my plan for an HVAC was going out the window. Well, when was it? It was probably about four weeks later. I got a recheck. And at that point, it had moved to 11 millimeters away, which is still barely anything. And nothing. (laughs) No, no, it's not. But at that point, I got into research mode. And I, I saw this one study where it it looks promising that if your placenta was 11 millimeters away or more, that you had a pretty good chance of having a VBAC. So when I saw that study, I got my hope back, and I decided I didn't want any more ultrasounds. And that might sound so crazy, but my last ultrasound that I got showed it was 11 millimeters away. So I felt comfortable for going the rest of the um, ultrasounds that were recommended for the rest of my pregnancy and just trusting that 
the placenta would move. 90% of the time, it does, and it's not a problem. And the ultrasounds are bringing me a lot of stress and anxiety. I discussed with my midwife about this decision, and she was totally comfortable that if there was a problem during labor, she would alert me, and um, we would go the proper route and make sure mom and baby were both safe. So we were both comfortable with this decision. And it made the pregnancy a lot better and smoother, and I was able to enjoy the, the last few weeks of my pregnancy. So I ended up going to 41 weeks, and one day I woke up, and in the morning, probably about four in the morning, and I was bleeding a little bit, and I started becoming very, very scared. I didn't ever have bloody show with my first, so I didn't really know what was going on. Um, so I called my midwife. She sent her assistant over at 4 in the morning to just make sure that everything was okay. Baby was doing great. I was doing great. Wasn't really having any strong contractions. So she, she ended up going home, and I just tried to sleep. I had an appointment scheduled for 4.30 p.m. that next day. So they were going to come back over anyways, and they said if anything changed just to let them out. So I labored, just was an early labor, no really strong contractions at all. And I made it till 4.30 p.m. when my midwife came over for our prenatal appointment. She found that the baby was posterior. And so she did something called a diaphragmatic release, and it changed the baby. It moved the baby into a better position. So I started contracting more regularly, and they started getting stronger. She lives quite a bit away from me, about three hours. So I, they decided to stay at my house overnight just to make sure that if I went too fast that they would be there. <laughs> um, that unfortunately was not the case. I labored so long. I labored all that night. And I had done a little bit of hypnobaby. So I was really able to breathe through my contractions. I had the midwife assistant there. Uh, I had my husband there. And I ended up having my two-year-old daughter there was to support people. So it was a big party at our house while I was laboring. But it was so good. The atmosphere was just exciting. But yet I was able to be so calm. And it was so nice having my, my daughter there. I really wanted to make sure that um, she had this experience. She's two and a half. Um, but I didn't want her to fear birth like I had feared birth. So it was it was so great, and it's just something that I'll remember for the rest of my life for sure. Yeah. So I called everyone over probably about one in the morning, and I thought things were really ramping up. I was having to moan through them. My midwife thought I was nearing transition, so she suggested I get in the pool and call everyone over. 
well, I get in the pool and my labor decides to stop. And they check me and I said, please do not tell me what I'm at because I knew it was going to mess with my head if yeah. I wasn't farther than I thought. So um, come game. to find out, it is. It's such a mind game. And I'm so thankful that I didn't find out because I was five centimeters. I had so much more to go. Thankfully, my body gave me a rest, and I was able to fall asleep during contractions, and I would wake up, and um, the midwife was massaging my legs through the contraction, and then I'd fall back asleep, and then I'd wake up three minutes Aww. later. It That's was just so, so Oh, it was so sweet. Yeah, oh, man. I just, I loved every bit of my labor, and it's so funny. My photographer was... We kind of uh, debriefed after my birth, and she was saying, I just, you were saying, this is so fun, and you were, you were serious. <laughs> so labor can be enjoyable. It's hard work, but it, it was definitely enjoyable. Yeah, um, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. So I, oh, what time was it in the morning? We, I labored all through the night, and then we went for a walk outside probably around 9 o'clock, and that put me into transition. I lost the rest of my plug, and I could barely make it. I made it around a block, and I, I was like, yep, it's time. So I ended up going upstairs and getting into the pool. And when I got into the pool, my body just, really enjoyed little pushes, and it took away the pain of the contraction completely every time I would push. So I ended up pushing for two and a half hours, and wow. it was crazy and intense, but the whole time, I just felt so supported and trusted, and my midwives were so hands-off. Everyone was whispering. It was just calm and peaceful, and they let me do what my body needed to do to help um, my daughter out, and it was amazing. So baby ended up coming head first, which she had been breached the, the past week. So we were happy. She, she came out head first, and... I did end up having a little bit of a hemorrhage. It was not severe by any means, but I did get a couple tinctures under my tongue, and the bleeding did stop. And I think it was because my, my um, placenta was so low that it was tearing away from the cervix just a bit. It, like I said, the whole time, baby's heart rate was being monitored, and she was... She came, and I didn't know what she was. We didn't know her gender. So I had a dream earlier in my pregnancy that she was a girl, and I had the name of what, just above her head. So I had, in my dream, I had this beautiful, beautiful home birth, and opened up the blanket, saw it was a girl, saw the name over top of her. So when I pushed out a girl, Oh, my goodness. I opened the blanket, and I just 
right? It's a girl. It's a girl. And so we ended up naming her Isla, which is the name that I had in my dream. And it means moonlight. And it was just so, it just, oh, I, I wish I could relive the day over and over again. It was so wonderful. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is incredible. It was a beautiful experience. Yeah. Well, good. You yeah, have so very good. Oh, man. I, I just, birth can be such a healing event when your body is trusted, when you trust it, and when your provider trusts it just to do what it was made to do. It can be a very healing experience, especially when you've been told in the past that it's broken. It's not yes. broken. True CPD is so rare. So if you've been told that you have a small pelvis, please do more research. It's just, it, it can be such a healing experience. And I hope that women hearing this will trust their bodies and find a provider who trusts their bodies so that they can have a healing birth. You know, that is so true. Um, we, we talk a lot about big babies mm. on the podcast, and I feel, like, I feel like women that have big babies almost, like, gravitate to us because I guarantee, like, if you go back and count, like, 70% of the babies on this podcast have been pushing or past nine pounds. And, but we, mm. what we kind of don't talk about as much going along with that is people that have been told that their pelvises are too small or diagnosed with CPD, um, which it stands for cephalopelvic disproportion, which basically mm-hmm. means your pelvis um, is malformed or mm-hmm. too small. And like you said, um, it is incredibly rare. And usually um, you find that in places that have... Um, like really poor nutrition, so mm-hmm. the bones grow, they don't grow properly, and so they're they're disformed. Or if you've yeah. had a severe injury to that pelvic area, like it, and so if you are not from a third world country and you have not mm-hmm. had a severe pelvic injury, then guess what? Your pelvis is probably not too small. Um, yes, we. Yeah, we have a blog about that, actually, and you can go back and find it on our website, utahvbacklink.com slash blog, but before we do that, Allie, I, it's so funny because when she got on the episode to record, I actually um, asked her what her Instagram name is because I, you know, we're on Instagram a lot. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, check it out. Uh, we're at the vbacklink. And her Instagram handle is at birth bliss beyond, and there's underscores between. So at birth underscore bliss underscore beyond. And go ahead and give her a follow. She's really awesome. She's, she interacts with us a lot, so I kind of like want to high five her through the phone. Like clear over to Nebraska. High five. On yes, high go. five to Utah. Got it. <laughs> um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, anterior placentas and placenta placement for VBAC. So a lot of times women don't think that um, they can have a VBAC with an anterior placenta. Or I'll be um, checking out the Facebook birth forums or the VBAC support groups and 
we'll see that question a lot. Like, oh my gosh, I just found out my placenta was anterior. I didn't know what to do. Does that mm-hmm. stop me from having a VBAC? But guys, listen up. You can totally VBAC with an anterior placenta. My placenta, I was anterior at least for all three of my VBACs, and maybe even with my cesarean baby. I'm not sure because we never really talked about placentas with that doctor, but it is totally possible. They'll want to make sure that your placenta is high enough above the scar um, because when it's embedded in the scar, there is an increased risk of postpartum hemorrhage. But guess what? We have a blog, if you didn't already guess. (laughs) We have a blog on our blog right now about anterior placentas and placenta previa and we are going to post the study that Allie talked about because now I'm super interested to read it too. Yeah. So it's going to be linked there for you to write right there. Again, uh, I just want to say that this um, Allie's story is not to replace advice from a medical professional if your placenta is co- over your scar or, or on top of your cervix. This is definitely something you want to take on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. And follow Allie's example by giving, getting a provider that trusts her and her body and following her intuition. I don't feel like maybe we touch on intuition enough, but I'm like a firm believer in yeah. that. With the right birth team, the right birthplace, and listen to that mama heart above everything else and you will for sure be guided in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I know if uh, Allie, and we talked about this a little bit uh, before we started recording, but if she would have been in a hospital, she would have had a repeat C-section. Nobody oh, would have totally. given her the chance. So again, take Allie's story, learn from it, grow from it, dig into that study that I'm going to post in our blog here, and trust that mama heart, and it's not going to let you down. Again, our website for that blog is utahvbacklink.com. I'm going to link that to the show notes. I'm also going to link Allie's Instagram handle at birth underscore bliss underscore beyond. Give her a follow. Show her some love. Tell her how awesome she is because we know she's awesome. And Allie, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us and sharing your journey. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Yeah. Awesome! Hey guys, did you know we have a new website? Well, we do. It is thevbacklink.com. We are always looking for new stories. To share your story and possibly be on our podcast, post your story on social media and hashtag whywevback and tag us at thevbacklink. Or you can complete the new form on our brand new website at thevbacklink.com share. Don't forget about our online VBAC prep courses. To learn more, head over onto our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website, utahvbaclink.com for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.